0: Hey everyone, it is Thursday, September 29th, 2022. Welcome to TechTO Quick Takes. I'm your host, Alex Riley, and here are today's headlines. AvidBots cleans up with a $70 million US raise. Is Real Ventures really refocusing on Montreal? We will find out. And BDC is putting $500 million towards closing the gender gap. Alex Norman joins me now to help break all this down. Hi, Alex.
1: Hey, Alex. Interesting couple of, we- a couple of weeks. We haven't mm-hmm. done this in two weeks. And not much news, but some interesting news.
0: Yeah, it's nice to have, uh, I think, a little bit more variety to talk about today. So with that being said, why don't we uh, dive into the AvidBots news first. Uh, First of all, who is AvidBots and what is the news around this race?
1: So AvidBots is a Kitchener-Waterloo-based startup founded in 2014 that builds autonomous floor cleaning robots. So you want your place clean. This is like Mm -hmm. Roomba, but much better for enterprises. Um, The news is look, they were, they closed a $70 million round and USD and yeah, yeah. We haven't, yeah, we haven't and, seen big rounds like this in a while.
0: Right. And just like talking more about the raise, we obviously talked about how that looks a lot different now, just given the current market. So how were they able to raise in this environment?
1: Well, you know, from whatever you, you read, they have a thousand of these robots being used across five continents, um, with different enterprises buying it. This anyone from manufacturing to airports education, so they have, looks like a clear sign of product market fit. If you look into what they're saying they, they, they have, you know, there's been an actually in demand since COVID um, mm-hmm. due to also due to labor shortages. And also they're finding new ways to add add-ons, which could probably improve the lifetime value. So it looks like a company that has growth, product market fit, accelerating growth and probably better unit economics as it scales.
0: Yeah. And why, why would they raise and sort of what is that going to be going towards to help help improve or whatnot?
1: So, You know, they're a manufacturer. So Mm -hmm. you know, they have to they're they're dealing with atoms, they're not dealing with bits. So they need space to test and build new models. They need to test space and people, engineers and other people to actually test the add-ons. So this is going to basically increase the actual footprint they have. They're almost doubling their size at our headquarters, and it's going to um increase uh, the number of employees they have significantly.
0: And just on the investor side, is there anything interesting that you wanted to highlight about the investors involved in this round?
1: Yeah. The round was led by Generation Capital. That's with a J, not a G, Mm -hmm. um, which historically invests in greater China uh, tech companies. And that, you know, and what's interesting, Avid has operations in Hong Kong, Singapore, and China. So what's interesting here not a firm I've seen do investment in Canada. They seem to focus in China, and Avid seems to be interesting to them because they have exposure to greater China area. What's also interesting is Real Ventures of 500 Startups Canada did not participate in this round, did not take the pro rata. 500 Startups Canada makes sense. They haven't been around for a while, so I'm not sure if they have any capital. Real is more interesting. We'll talk about that a bit later.
0: Yes, we will get into that later. Uh, lastly, uh, takeaways for our community and anything else worth highlighting or noting.
1: Well, so let's start with why this appears to have product market fit. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you have a labor shortage which started before COVID and has been accelerated. So cleaning floors at school and airport is not exactly anyone's dream job. So it always suffered from high employee absenteeism and turnover. So there was probably, you know, if you prove you could do it without any employees there's probably demand, especially if you, I don't know what it costs, economics or return on investment, but just having, knowing someone's going to clean the floors or clean the place is, is very valuable. Second of all, um, unlike someone that might be cleaning the floor, this provides a lot of data and information. So you can actually see, you know, what's being taken care of, what's being cleaned. So building a product for what long-term trends benefit is always beneficial. Um, you know, but if you look at the bigger picture, we haven't seen many late stage financings announced mm-hmm. um, in Canada in the last little while. Definitely haven't seen many robotic ones. Um, this, you know, goes back to. You know, it's easy to get, talk about the current market. You know what you should do to adjust, but it all comes down to a very simple thing: if you prove you built a big business that has product market fit, that can scale and have strong unit economics, you'll you should always be able to raise. Um, th- what's more interesting here to me is that this is a robotics um, startup, right? And historically you think is well placed to build global winners. We have a lot of machine learning, a lot of AI. We have a lot of, um, we have a lot of people have engin- traditional robotics engineer automation degrees, especially coming out of University of Waterloo. We have a lot of manufacturers and a lot of traditional industry, but you've seen a few, but not many. We don't have the VCs that want to invest in the early stages or the late stages. One reason historically is it's been a long time to prove these companies out. It's not clear with the Mozart. Look, this company's now you know, start 2014, it's eight years old. And it's, this is like, let's say values at 350. It's not been a, it's not, not a, not a software company goes to a billion dollars in two years. Um, So hopefully this changes people's perspective in the space. We see more money coming in. Um, You know, also like, you know, you also might have to go where the money is. So yeah, they raise money out of Asia. Um, And I think what also I think is very interesting here is lots of companies, focus on north america first then they say mm-hmm. we're going to scale outside area but this you know avid seems to have been selling on five continents from very early stages and if you have something that's a universally universal problem you might find that culturally behaviorally that you'll get adoption somewhere else in the world uh quicker and i'll make just sort of it's hard to execute against but it may increase your chance of success
0: awesome i think those are great takeaways for our community. Um, a lot there. Um, we will obviously have a recap of everything uh, in tomorrow's newsletter. Um, that being said, um, it's another great place to find uh, news, trends, analysis, and a lot of uh, resources and learn about what's coming up for our community, including events. So if you have not already subscribed to the three times weekly TechTO newsletter, you can do so at techTO.org backslash newsletter. Um, we're really working on revamping that. I'm uh, getting very excited to launch that soon. Has there been anything really standing out to you, uh, Alex, recently?
1: Well, I think we're previewing the speakers of Monday's event, which, you know, yes. excited for those speakers. They're not household names. I think, you know, the, just the preview, the, like the profiles of these the speakers are great. You'll get to see mm-hmm. some new names that you never heard of, like Vendor PM or yeah. Paul Campbell, who's returned to the ecosystem has had success in the Valley.
0: Yeah, we actually did a, a nice preview on Vendor PM specifically in our recent newsletter. So if you, you haven't uh, caught that, we'll do another push on social. But uh, yeah, definitely very uh, excited to uh, continue doing those. Uh, next headline, you touched on Real Ventures. So now let's get into, um, are they really refocusing on Montreal? So let's start with just what's going on there and what's going on with Real Ventures. So this has been a
1: question whispered for about nine months by a lot of people. Hey, Alex, you know, what's going on with Real? What have you heard? I'm not necessarily asking me. Yeah. Uh, But they got thrown to the forefront of our tech ecosystem last week when it was announced that Janet Bannister has resigned from the managing partner role and will transition to a part time role at Real with John Stokes um, taking over Mm -hmm. as managing partner effective immediately. Uh, This falls like a few months ago, we had Isaac, uh, who's a partner in Montreal, leave to join Pender Ventures. So this is just the latest. This is like, there's been a lot of questions, not many announcements, but the last. You know, two big announcements were the managing partner transitioning and the partner leaving.
0: Definitely. We did actually talk about Isaac's um, move yeah. to tender on uh, an episode of our show as well. Uh, so why are these moves significant?
1: Uh, Real Ventures has been trying to raise a fund for the better part of a year now. Mm-hmm. And Janet was leading these efforts. The change in leadership either reflects that they're trying a new fundraising strategy. They may not be trying to raise new fund anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, Janet may be tired so it it says okay something has to change to raise next fund Um, Mm -hmm. it's also very interesting that you know you're going from Janet to John Um, Janet was the future Mm -hmm. of the firm she was based in Toronto she brought some uh, diversity and perspective of being a a female uh, partner and now you've got a firm that grew out of Montreal or Quebec and started doing stuff across the country relatively successful Mm -hmm. you know trying to get build that, you know, brand to be a Canadian one, sort of retrenching back to Quebec just inadvertently. And also from an ecosystem perspective, uh, you know, it's nice to have more female leadership in in VC firms.
0: Definitely. And one question I would just have around this news, and I'm sure other people are wondering, does this mean that they're still actively investing?
1: Yes and no. And okay. what I mean by that is um, venture firms when they raise, let's say 100 million, they keep a certain percent of that for follow-on investments in a portfolio company. Right. So if they previously invest in you, there's a chance they may invest in you again. I don't know what the case with Avid Robots was. Maybe the fund that invests in them doesn't have any more uh, capital left. So if you're a portfolio company and you'll probably know where you stand and they probably have capital to invest in you, if you're a new company, they could, I don't know what the situation is. My guess is depending on how confident they feel about the next fund, they might be able to invest a small amount, or what they call warehouse a deal, but they're not. You know, as far as I'm concerned, they're not actively investing at this point. I hope it changes in the near future.
0: Right. Okay. Uh, so important to note that. And what does this mean overall for just the ecosystem in general?
1: It's not great news. Um, yeah. You know, you, you hear the government talk about and everyone talk about how we solved early stage financing. It's it's this uh, scale up capital we need right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the reasons people said it was solved was Real Ventures is an active investor. They've invested. In 200 plus companies in this ecosystem. Yeah. And they not only that, but they made an effort to spin up different types of funds, like orbit fund, front row ventures, which had, you know, front row ventures invest in college, you know, university-based companies. Um, they did a lot of stuff for the in the Quebec ecosystem and, and 77 Tron ecosystem. So this leaves a whole of from an investor, from an ecosystem, from an imagination yeah. perspective. So yep. it, it's generally not great news.
0: Right. And I was going to say, they definitely put the Montreal ecosystem on the map for sure, just yeah. given the activity. Uh, so yeah, definitely hard news. Um, lastly, takeaways for founders and what that means for them.
1: Um, look, it's it's you have the macro headwinds of the current environment just making it harder to raise.
0: Mm-hmm. This
1: is less one less well-backed fund to go to and raise capital from that. They did, invested quite a few deals a year. Yeah. They were, you know, investing particularly on the east coast of Canada. I mean like Eastern Canada, anywhere from like Atlanta, Canada to let's call it, I don't know, uh maybe Winnipeg. I, I know they've done investments in the West Coast, but like there's less one person to talk to locally that's gonna be best in the ecosystem, it's gonna be harder to raise. This uh, is also a reminder that, you know, why do VCs VCs also have to fundraise, like you know, mm-hmm. and it's not easy. It's never easy. And this is why this is you know just this is why they have certain perspective on who they want to invest in and when they have to have exit and just a reminder that you know not going to say you know, venture capitalists need lots of empathy from founders but sometimes it might not hurt to be empathetic for for that they have a they, they have a hard problem sometimes too
0: right and that the current market probably affected things too a little bit uh, yeah. Great, Alex, thank you so much for for breaking that down. Before we move into our last headline, I do uh, like to shout out the Master of Management in Artificial Intelligence program at the Smith School who are kindly sponsoring today's episode. Harnessing AI's potential for competitive performance requires a new type of professional, one who not only understands the capacity of the science but has the expertise to apply it to organizational needs and strategies. The Master of Management in Artificial Intelligence program from Queen's University's Smith School of Business will help you develop the skills to navigate the ethical, economic, and societal implications of AI implementation. This 12-month program can also be completed while you continue to work full-time. Visit smithqueens.com slash AI degree to learn more about how you can join their next class. And I will link the website in the show notes and on social as well. Uh, So definitely check them out. Uh, So next up, um, I I really do um, like this headline, and I'm excited to talk about this. So BDC is putting $500 towards closing the gender gap. Uh, some people might be familiar with the gender gap, but maybe you can explain it and also explain it from a venture capital perspective of what that means. Yeah.
1: So I'll get into that second, but it's, it's just, you know, this is almost karma. You get some negative news about the ecosystem and then you get some really positive new one. And yes. this one, yeah. this is actually quite big news. So the gender gap is basically, you know, one way to explain traditional venture financing. If you look in Canada, it's estimated about around 5% of venture capital is being invested in women led companies. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't know if that's the number of companies or capital because those are different numbers, but either way, it's not huge. It's, believe it or not, improves, um, you know, North America at one point they were saying it was 2%, so, but it's 2% or 5%. It's not near gender parity. It's a huge gap that has to be dealt with. And, you know, I don't care what your personal beliefs are, but this just tells me that capital can't be allocated completely efficient because I think everyone has the ability to create a venture, you know, Hypothetically, everyone could create a venture scale company. So, if we're only funding one one, one part of the half the the ecosystem, that means we're leaving money on the table.
0: Right. So, QBDC now. So, what are they doing about it? And also, how is the money being used to close Okay. So,
1: they announced last week that they're putting 500 million Canadian towards solving this gap. So, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: this is a follow up. In 2017, they put 200 million into Women in Tech Fund, which invests directly into startups. Yeah. This 500. Million is based on learnings from that, and they call it the Thrive Venture Fund and Lab, and it'll invest uh, over six years. So you know that's so the number just side note here it feels a bit inflated because usually investment periods are two to four years, three to five years. So it just seems a bit longer. Um, so, but either way, it's a huge number. Three hundred mm-hmm. million will be direct investments that will uh, back firms at the seed, series A, and series B stages. Hundred million for lab for women which will fund pre-seed startups and non-venture models for non-venture scale opportunities. hundred million will be invested in women-led Canadian funds that have a woman as a GP or in partner role.
0: I think that's awesome. And what are maybe some of the things that remain to be answered? Like some of the questions that are still up in the air,
1: you know, who are investment professionals at BDC running these funds? Some of these yeah. are known, but with this much there's measures would be more um, what qualifies as a woman-led startup. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of questions around us with women in tech fund um, a lot of controversy you know people said it has to be co-founder with x percent ownership it says some people say it has to be a ceo um, so you know non-easy an answer and also yeah. like also what happens if it's a woman-led startup that's less woman-led startup when they go to raise a b round and they you know and they invest in the a round um, and then what will the lab look like it's it's interesting description but it's still very high level so lots of few, lots of questions here
0: Right. And also, lastly, uh, takeaways for founders and specifically uh, maybe some of the, the female entrepreneurs or founders that are listening right now.
1: Well, you know, uh, I'll give you takeaways. and I'm going to make one bold prediction. Um,
0: sure.
1: It's never been easy for a woman to raise a venture capital.
0: Okay. Yeah. Uh,
1: this doesn't solve it, but mm-hmm. there's now a specific place. So there's a, they're trying to help in three ways. One is there's a specific place you can go talk to um, that can write a check. And by putting 100 million to women-led Canadian funds, yep. there'll be an incentive for more women, female partners. And I do think, you know, you know, some people say that hey, um, going to someone that doesn't understand your problem, like if you're talking about I don't know, lactate consultants, or mm-hmm. just to pick a random one, okay. it's good to speak to someone that may have had this problem or experiences, so They'll have more empathy and understand it. So you're now having, hopefully, having a few more places to go raise money from. So that that's that's good, and should help, you know, help address the gap. Um, One thing I my guess is is this is a crown corporation that gets Mm -hmm. its funding from the government. They want to provide a return, but this capital is not only based on economic returns. Again, without looking at the deal, you know, detail. Well, more traditional funds have, you know, ROI goals. So to understand what it's like to get capital from them and how to work with the BDC, you'll have to better understand incentives. And like any investor, you have to make sure you're aligned with them um i know of other programs where there's a lot of reporting that comes with it but you know it's a small price to pay to get capital so just just the alignment just like i say with any investor know who you're getting the money from know mm-hmm. what you know what know what their alignment knows what makes them tick. i'll help you raise money from them i help make sure you're with them um it'll be interesting how these funds work with the current ecosystem and what yeah. reputation they have with non-canadian investors you know are you know how do we you know how do they, you know, how do they you know, create, fill the short term gap by providing capital. But then there's, you know, people worried that there's an average selection who they fund. I, I don't think there will be, mm-hmm. but it's very easy for people to be considered that. So I think they have, you know, these funds, particularly direct fund will have a very fine line between a investing in companies and being a strong signal to them and b not yeah. crowding out, you know, crowding out traditional funds, like, you know, let's just pick on real right now. I'm um, yeah. sorry, because they are top of mind but you know five years from now if real's gone from investing in 30 percent women-led companies to 20 percent
0: mm-hmm.
1: you yeah, you know, hopefully there's not you know the reason is not because you know this thrive funds be more aggressive and being backing all women founders and I, I don't think that should be the case but right well have, there'll be a lot of potential pr and political things that have to be resolved with the ecosystem to make sure this is a net benefit which i think it should be right well, i'll make a bold prediction sure um I would not be surprised to see some partners or senior partners leave their current firms and start solo capitalist firms because there's now someone more that wants to back women and partners, right? So mm-hmm. it might be, you know, you might see some new net fund formation with funds that are either struggling to raise or just there's a lot of partners and someone's looking to get more quicker.
0: Well, thank you, Alex. Nonetheless, I am happy that we are talking about a little bit of positive news uh, on the episode. Oh, I know. There's a lot of positive
1: news, 500 million and address the gender gap. I wish we could say something like this every week.
0: I know, I know. And I just feel like the focus has been a lot of, you know, the, the current market and, and layoffs and things like that. So this is great. I um, I'm very excited about this news. This is awesome and exactly what the ecosystem needs. Uh, Before we go, I want to highlight some amazing events we have coming up uh, for the TechTO community and for the ecosystem as well. So um, if you enjoyed our last installment of the uh, Summer Social, the very last one we had, we're back again at 111 on October 3rd. The speaker lineup, um, as you alluded to, Alex, maybe not uh, known as much within the ecosystem, but we have Matt McClellan of Harp, uh, Emile Brilla, Vendor PM, I'm really excited to hear what he has to to talk about, about Vendor PM, Um, CEO at Pronti AI, Mila, and also Paul Campbell, the CEO at Elevy Inc. Uh, The lineup is great, the content sure to be amazing. What are you looking forward to, Alex?
1: Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to the deep conversation with Paul Campbell. I think he's someone yep. that grew up in Canada, left, had success in Seattle, had success in the Valley, mm-hmm. who's a scout for true ventures that's not known. He's running a new cool healthcare company. I think the far side there is going to lead to a lot of interesting insights.
0: Definitely. Um, I'm very much looking forward to that. And yourself and Jason will also be there October 3rd next week on Monday, six to nine, get your tickets on our website. Uh, And uh, another event that I do want to um, just touch on a little bit is October 12th. We have a virtual tech talent event. If you're looking for a job, want to be put in front of employers who are actively hiring or just, you know, hear what's going on in the current market and how you can best utilize your skills to find a job or find talent. Uh, that's the perfect event to attend. Lots of insight there. And Alex, you'll also be hosting that one. So very, very excited for that. Uh, Thank you again, Alex, for your insight and uh, running us through these topics from the week. And thanks so much to everyone uh, who tuned in today to Tech Quick Takes. We will be back next week, same time, 12.30 p.m. Eastern, 9.30 a.m. Pacific Pacific time. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you're watching or listening. Um, And until then, we'll see you on the inside. We're in the business of delivering impossible things. We're in the business of delivering things that nobody's ever seen before.
1: If you build that culture, you'll come up with really cool and innovative stuff and
0: literally could be in the next multi-billion dollar idea. So this conversation is largely going to be about scaling yourself and scaling your leadership team. I want to talk about one of the biggest struggles that I think a lot of startups face early on, which is building initial traction.